Care of is the only place that we get our daily vitamins. Why? Because it's fast, it's wicked easy, and it's super convenient because it's just one click away. You guys know, Blake and I chill on our phones and our computers because this is what we do. So take advantage of this month's special New Year offer. For 50% off your first month of personalized Care of Vitamins, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter OutlandaCast5050. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. Everybody, how's it going? I'm still smiling. I know. I know. I know it's Droughtlander. And I'm I'm saying it now because it is what it is. But let's be real. There's still so much to do and talk about. And in case you don't know me, hi, my name's Mary Larson. My name's Blake. And, you know, I know it's Droughtlander and I know I've said that Droughtlander sucks and it does suck. But I'm having a good day today. I'm having a really good day today. Yeah. You want to know why? Tell me. Well, I'm here with you, my beautiful bride, yes. making a podcast yes. about one of my favorite episodes that we do all year long uh, with Allison Keen of Collider.com. But I know, I know that somewhere in Boston right oh now my is a man that has <laughs> six Super Bowl rings. And if this is all a swear to you, we apologize. We do know that we live in a very blessed area of the country yes and and i'm happy to say that by the way i'm happy to say that and uh, i'm sure all of you are sick of boston right now but you know what not my problem man hey you know the, the one thing that i can say because i know that probably the majority of our listeners either didn't want the patriots to win or they just watched the super bowl for the ads or possibly yep. adam levine um <laughs> taking shirts know, off just know that i blake and i have acknowledged that our reign of excellency in sports is going to come to an end soon. One day. So we're just very thankful that we were able to celebrate this with our children because we do know (laughs) that our time is limited. But our time is not limited when it comes to content coming all Droughtlander long. Now, just in case you were worried about the podcast, you're so used to getting two episodes of Outlander cast every single week. I just want to let you know that we want to make sure we have content coming all Droughtlander Long. Yes, my friends, all Droughtlander Long. So at OutlanderCast.com, we are going to have either a new podcast or a new blog post up almost every single week of Droughtlander. You're going to be getting at least one podcast every single month. So make sure that you're following us on all forms of social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those places. Make sure that you stay subscribed. And if you're not yet a patron, at uh, OutlanderCastClan.com. Now is going to be a good time to start signing up because we're going to be having some extra special things for our OutlanderCastClan.com members. And we also wanted to remind you, too, that if you can't get enough of Mary and I... Hey, hey, hey. You can go to MaryandBlake.com and check out all of the podcasts that we have there, as well as all of our blogs, and just basically the crazy everyday goings and comings and goings of our lives. And including our latest new show that's happening right now, as a matter of fact. It's called This Is Us Too. It's dedicated to This Is Us on NBC. And 
if you're a fan of Westeros, well, you maybe want to go on a vacation with us for about six days. <laughs> I'm just saying, because we may or may not be having, you know, a, a little bit of a stay in Westeros uh, starting in April. So just keep that in mind. Until then, however, you have Mary and Blake and Allison Keene from Collider.com. You ready for this, Marvin? You betcha. All right, let's, uh, let's get it done. Joining us today, as Blake said, is Allison Keen. She is the senior TV editor and chief television critic on one of the premier entertainment websites on the planet, Collider.com. From Lost, Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones to Stranger Things, and even Outlander, she has pretty much covered every single show that is of note on television. Allison, thank you so much for joining us on OutlanderCast today. Absolutely. So as you may remember, we grade um, each show for Outlander on kilts, one to five. One being <laughs> the the worst thing they've ever seen in your life, and five being the best thing they've ever seen in your life. So and, and we kind of do it in context to what Outlander show, yes. has presented sure. us. Um, so how many kilts are you given Outlander season four, and why? Oh, I think that season four for me is a solid three kilts. Really? How come? <laughs> Wait, are you shocked? Is that too positive or too negative? <laughs> uh, no, no. Actually, I, I think I think it's probably just in line with where I thought you'd be. But I, I would love to know middle why. Middle of the road. I'm middle of the road. There were some things that I really loved about the season. And as whenever I talk about Outlander, I also want to say, you know, bottom line, I really enjoy watching this show. Every single week, I watch a lot of television for my job. <laughs> but every week, I really look forward to the new episode of Outlander. And that's kind of a rare thing. There aren't that many shows. That I'm like, I can't wait. But Outlander is one of them. Um, even when it disappoints me, mm-hmm. which some of this season did. Um, first of all, I mean, I know that this is, um, and for anyone that is listening that doesn't know, I have not read the books. Um, I'm familiar with some of the things that happen or don't happen. I try to stay away from spoilers, but I also kind of try to keep up with um, what, how much the show has changed, maybe big moments and things like that or characters. Um, so I do know that the story moves to America. That was still very sad for me <laughs> to leave <laughs> Scotland. Um, so that was sort of a, a really strange change at the beginning of the season and the tone felt different. The first few episodes just kind of felt like we were in the, we were in a different place in all ways. Um, I felt like the show trying to deal with slavery was kind of awkward, uh, to say the least. Some of the, um, other, other plot lines where they were kind of dealing with very serious issues. Sometimes that's, that's not great, but on other times, like when Jamie and Brianna have their amazing conversation in the woods about what happened to her and they just have this bonding moment, like that's amazing. And that's what always brings me back to Outlander. It's like they have these moments mm-hmm. where these characters that we just love do amazing things and say amazing things. Um, but I think overall it was pretty uneven. There were some things I loved, some things I didn't like so much, but um, I'm definitely interested to hear what y'all think about some of that mixed <laughs> reaction. Yeah, well, you know, we also, in addition to the, doing the kilt ratings, we do a GBG, a good, a bad, and a great. So oh. what do you have for your GBG for season four? Okay, let's see. The good, I have to say some of my favorite things 
in Outlander are just when like nothing is happening and they're allowed to just be happy for a little bit. <laughs> and yes. so when they were finally on Fraser's Ridge and we got some montages or some scenes of them just doing work around <laughs> the yes. ridge and just like like hunting and like putting things together. I, I just like that. I love seeing Jamie and Claire able to just kind of relax and enjoy each other's company and sort of like they're starting this new life together. And that's just, that is the cozy homey part of Outlander that I love. Um, the bad, well, <laughs> I think sometimes the show maybe thinks we're more invested in Brianna and Roger than we are. I like them, but there was just so much of the back half of the season where I felt like Jamie and Claire were just side characters. Mm -hmm. And I never want to feel that way without <laughs> Mander. Um, I think too, like I mentioned, some of the, um, some of the stuff with Jocasta and the slavery business, like, you know, Claire was really against it. But then when you come up with, when you, when Brianna gets there, it's kind of like not an issue anymore. It's kind of like, okay, well, um, that wasn't maybe so great. I, I felt like too, some of the pacing was, um, not as strong as it could have been. Like we spent a lot of time with in the last episodes with the priest and his story, mm -hmm. but I found out that they actually cut out some things with Ian and a love interest that he had that I would have rather seen. Um, but the great, <laughs> there's so many great things as well. Yeah. Um, I really loved the twist at the end with Murtaugh and Jocasta. That was <laughs> awesome. I love seeing that. I was wanted happiness for these characters and that made me really happy. Um, there were so many sweet moments too with Jamie, um, you know, getting to know Brianna and some of the tension there, but also how they resolved that. I know, I think I'm supposed to only mention like one thing, but I have so many. That's okay. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, I think that, um, um, I've lost my train of thought. There was a lot of, I mean, really, to me, the strength of Outlander is that cast and the chemistry that they have mm -hmm. and not just um, Jamie and Claire, but really just everyone. I mean, even young Ian and Murtaugh and Joker, like everyone that they get, they just have like the best casting director. Um, they really know. I know there's some controversies about <laughs> Sophie as Priyana. I think that she really improved this year, though, um, and that that helped with some of that. But I mean, it, that's what's so hard, tough about this season is that I – you know, really enjoyed watching it, but there was just, there was just kind of like a mix of the wonderful and the, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Allison, you know, a lot of people use that term pacing and, and you used it for, for the bad portion. Right. And, you know, a lot of people, it, I think it's this kind of nebulous term that a lot of people in the industry know what it is. A lot of people that are not in the industry have no idea what it is, but still use it anyway. And then just there are a bunch of people that just don't know what it is at all. So I was just hoping if you <laughs> could, could define it. Yeah, could you define it for all for all of us jabronis who have no idea what it is, but we still use it anyway? Oh gosh, well, it, I think there it can go in a couple different ways. I mean, episodically, right? You want an episode that you there's a, a clear arc, there's a clear narrative arc that happens in that episode. So it's not something that like you just sort of binge and then forget about because it's there's nothing kind of compelling that's happening start to finish. It should be a complete chapter. And sometimes um, things are very rushed or suddenly things are very slow. And so that can kind of throw things off. When you talk about a full season, of course, um, the same thing applies just on a much more macro scale. So you want to be sure that every episode is compelling, but also the stories that you're telling over the arc of the third season, or excuse me, fourth season, or any season really, um, 
make sense and are presented in a way where there's enough space to tell those stories. So I think that, for instance, I wrote an article on the site about Ian's choice in the finale. As someone who hadn't read the books, that came out of nowhere for me. I mean, I knew that he had kind of they sort of tell us in some of the earlier episodes, he's learned some of the Mohawk language and he's able to communicate with them a little bit. Maybe he has an interest in it. In no way did I think that he was going to give up his entire life and join them like joyously. I mean, I was happy for him in the end, but it just really, that was something that, you know, what did they add or what could they have cut to maybe have given that a little more space and a little more time to develop? Because um, Ian's a great character and it would have been nice to, to spend time with that. I think also, you know, some of the Brianna and Roger stuff, um, maybe even, I, oh, here, I, I have a really good example of this. <laughs> Roger, <laughs> the episode, there's an episode that ends with him escaping the Mohawk. And in the very next episode, the very beginning, he has a dream sequence mm -hmm. in which he wakes up and then realizes that, oh, yeah, he's back. He's been recaptured. We don't see any of that. There doesn't seem to be any consequence of that happening. I had a friend who um, also gets the screeners of advance uh, send me a, a message and was like, was something cut from the beginning? Like, did we get the full episode? <laughs> yeah. I was like, did I miss something? Like, was there something after the credits in the past episode? So that's the kind of thing where like this season really felt rushed in a lot of ways. Like they were just throwing a lot of plot and a lot of, just a lot of material at us and, um, and not a lot of episodes. And I feel like, you know, I mean, saying that my favorite part of the show is seeing them just like, be chill <laughs> Frasier's Ridge to me sort of speaks to the fact that I really enjoy this world. I love these characters. I'll kind of watch them do anything. And I think that this season, it just felt like they were just cramming stuff in without really giving space to the stuff that, that not just fans, but just any viewers of TV would just need to make it feel more complete, you know? Yeah. And so, I mean, kind of jumping off that, the fifth book of the series is even bigger than Drums of Autumn. And here we and are, this. you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, do you think that this is going to be a trend that we see? Is that something that you're fearful about? Or do you think that, uh, you know, do you think that this is something that the industry and that the writers are, have been hearing from people like, holy smokes, we're just being thrown into plot point after plot point. And we're not able to yeah. savor and enjoy. Do you think that they might be making this a change since they still have, um, I mean, a lot of, I'm not going to lie, a lot of book, book five <laughs> is boring and f <laughs> so they, they have a lot yeah, of fat they can cut. Yeah. <laughs> but, it depends on the material too. Yes. You know, they're, they're, they, maybe they could tell the story better. Like I, I know that Murtaugh um, dies in the books, but they, they've, brought him back in the series in a really cool way. I think, you know, he's one of the most interesting and compelling characters. So, you know, they can make changes to the source material that, that work. But, um, I, I don't know. I, I think that I don't really know why they have to do exactly one book per season. I know that with game of Thrones, it started out that way. And then you hit season three, the book is storm of swords is a huge book and it's a great book. Like there's so much cool stuff in there. And so what they started doing was kind of mixing in stuff from all of the next like three books in at different times that made more sense, you know, with the narrative. And I don't, I have a lot of problems with Game of Thrones <laughs> and different things they've done. But I think that that was something that did make sense. Like the fourth book in Game of Thrones is one that people find pretty boring. They cut most of that and just took the best character parts and kind of made that because you cannot adapt 
any book directly into a TV show and it's going to work. You have to change it because obviously the format is so different. So, you know, sometimes I think Outlander, like Game of Thrones, has made some really good changes. Then in other times, I think they might be afraid to change too much because, of course, book fans may not like that. <laughs> but sometimes it's for the best. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I think that um, I don't know why it feels so rushed. I mean, Outlander is Starz's biggest show by far. I mean, you can tell in the other kind of programming that they're picking up, they're really invested in that audience and want to keep that audience. And so I feel like, can't we just like spend more time in Outlander? Can't we not slow down? We know it's going to go on for a while, you know, as long as the actors want to do it. So, um, I don't know. I don't know what the rush is. So one of my favorite reasons why we have you on the show, we love inviting you on and thank you for taking the time, obviously to, to come on. And and I think one of the reasons why your episode is always so popular with our audience is because, (laughs) you know, you, you just, you don't read the books. You you look at it from (laughs) uh, an analyst point of view and, and, and you have this national perspective. Like you're not just like an outlander honk, like all of us, like you just, you, you like it, but you look at it within context. So I guess what I want to know is, has the national perspective of this show shifted in any way since last season or since it began? I really thought that season three was going to be a turning point for the show because I thought season three was really strong. I mean, it still had some <laughs> some issues there, especially okay. at the end again, because they rushed everything in the mm-hmm. finale. Um, but it was a really strong season. I mean, some of the acting, especially in the first half of the season when Jamie and Claire separated and they're having to, yes. I mean, the stuff between Katrina and um, Tobias was like, I mean, so powerful. I mean, it was just, it was a really, really good season. And I thought that that might be the one because the viewership was up so high for that because people had caught up from season one or two that I was like, this is it. Outlander is finally going to break through. That's <laughs> like the show that everybody's talking about. Um, but I don't know. I still think that there's a, per, a perception of it that it's like a woman show. And we've talked about that before that people just kind of don't, they're like, Oh, it's like a historical romance thing. I'm not interested, but it's so much more than that. And I don't know. Um, I think part of it is cause you know, I mean, stars is a premium network like HBO, but it doesn't have the viewership of something like HBO. Um, but I don't know. I think season four also just kind of threw everyone for a loop. Like even <laughs> people that I know who've read the books that we were talking on Twitter and there was a lot of like, yeah, maybe they just could have done this or not done this or something like this season's kind of been all over the place. And um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I think that people are continuing to find the show and, um, and watch it and share it with people. But TV has gotten to be so saturated right now that it's like no one's watching anything in real time. The conversations that people are having about like zeitgeist shows maybe last like a week. I mean, the only show that has broken through recently is game of Thrones. I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. Like other than that, everyone's watching things at such different times. There's no water cooler. I know that's different for Outlander because the fandom is definitely watching every week and talking about it, but in a larger context, it still hasn't broken through. And I don't know that that necessarily matters. Um, but I do think that the show has definitely been ignored, um, with awards and things because maybe it's not something that people pay attention to as much as they should. But, uh, I, I mean, I just think that cast is like very, <laughs> it's not one like 
at all the amount of awards that they deserve, especially Katrina. But I know, I know. Well, you know, you touched upon how much you you've missed Scotland, and even you know, talking about the parts of season three that you love so much, so much we still had those glimpses of Scotland there, you know, with Jamie and Culloden and everything. But now, of course, we're in the colonies. So, what advantages do you feel that Outlander now has now that we are in this colonial time and place? Honestly, <laughs> colonial America is not my favorite <laughs> era. I'm not all that. And, and I, by the way, like I, I know that they're still filming in Scotland. Like I do yeah. know that, but I, it's not meant to be Scotland anymore. Um, I mean, it's it, again, like I will watch Jamie and Claire do anything together. I didn't mind um, season two when they were in Paris and everyone complained about that. And I was like, I don't care. I mean, I just enjoy watching them do different things. Like that was something different. Sure. So I think that that's, you know, it's like, oh, here's them in a new context. And it doesn't, as the season wore on, it didn't feel so strange because I had totally forgotten, of course, that like no one really was American at that point. <laughs> they were all from Scotland and England and et cetera. So it was a sort of a melting pot of so many different things. So it didn't feel quite as different. Um, as I thought it would, but um, I still think that the show hasn't quite gotten a sense of of itself in America, like tonally. I think part of that is like with the Native American story, um, there was a lot more that could have been done with that. I felt like they could have really gotten a little more in depth with it. I, I was hoping because they were giving a lot of time to the Mohawk and um, some of the other tribes that that, oh, okay, they're actually going to make them like real characters, but instead they sort of weren't. Um, and did, and I felt like that was really disappointing. I was like, well, you're in America now. You have an opportunity. Like obviously the um, colonists are, are heavily involved with all the tribes because, you know, they're all neighbors. But I, I really felt like, again, that was sort of a missed opportunity that I didn't realize was a thing <laughs> was that they had shown Ian in a relationship with, you know, a Native American woman, that could have been a really interesting way to really make them three-dimensional characters and feel like, you know, we were actually, I, I, I think it was really good at the early part of the season, they made that parallel between the Scottish and the Native American tribes. Like there were some parallels there that were really kind of cool and interesting. And I was hoping they'd lean into that a little bit, mm -hmm. but not yet, maybe next season. You know, it was really funny because I feel like the showrunners they 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 made some really cool choices, and I really want to get your take on it. Like they actually had some real, um, oh, I don't know, like just real commentary they wanted to say. Like for example, in, in the in the premiere, they used America the Beautiful, oh, yes. you know, overlaying that mm -hmm. on top of you know all the things that were happening to Jamie and Claire and. And I know it's kind of, you know, we're a little bit further out from the premiere, but I wanted to get your take on America the Beautiful, number one. And then I also kind of wanted to get your take where I thought they made a misstep and when they used Adagio for strings in, in the in the, in the penultimate episode. What do you think about those choices? Do you think they worked? Do you think they were the added commentary or were they just busts in your opinion? I thought America the Beautiful was pretty heavy handed. <laughs> and I was kind of <laughs> like like are we doing this okay like it just it felt like it was just, and especially because they like had like a shot of a bald eagle flying and like oh i was like yeah. okay like <laughs> i get it um small sidetrack though i want to say how much i really enjoyed the actor who played stephen bonnet because he was absolutely yes. wonderful at being horrible 
Yes. And <laughs> I just wanted to give a small shout out to him, who used to be on Downton Abbey. I think. Oh, yeah. He played, he played Jimmy. your boy, Jimmy. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, he's really good at being like jerky characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, sorry. So, yeah, I think that musical cue, again, that was like really heavy handed. I mean, Outlander audiences are smart enough to like get that without needing that to kind of be pushed so hard. But, um, you know, I, I did. I'm usually really picky about when they change the opening theme <laughs> to match wherever they are. Um, but I really liked the kind of folky uh, influence mm. on the main theme. I thought that was really, really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, wait, so remind me in the, you said it was a penultimate episode when they used. Yeah, the um, adagio for strings, you know, like when well, uh, Fala Alexander is burning and she walks onto the pyre and like, it's, oh, you know what I mean? Oh, yes. So I wanted to get oh, your yes. take on that because it's one of those pieces that's just used so often. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is, was, is it something that you think was a mistake or was that actually something that added value or commentary to what they were trying to do? I'll tell you, honestly, the fact that I didn't remember it <laughs> pretty much tells the story is that it I you know, I kind of thought that whole thing was. Uh, that felt like like treading water. And again, we're talking about pacing. Like you want to keep things, you want to keep your audience engaged. I mean, we're we're so um, you know distracted by everything, right? And it's like to be able to sit down and watch an hour long show is becoming more and more of a a thing. Like, okay, we actually have to make time for this. Turn off phones. Stop looking at stuff. And I didn't mind the story if we had had several more episodes. Like that was kind of an interesting. Um, even know not like a fable but it was it was an interesting story to show kind of um the tensions between you know white people the native american tribes and also sort of like these culture clashes but it also just kind of was like i don't i don't know what we're doing here and it was so much of it with roger trying to have this kind of religious conversation and it didn't go anywhere and again i was like we're spending so much time on this um but yeah as far as the musical cue uh, I, that whole scene was weird to me, but I didn't. I it did not even make an impression musically, yeah. which is sad because Outlander has such a great score. Yes, but yeah, that's that was my main sticking point. Is we have the incredibly talented Bear McCreary as the composer for uh, this show, and then why would you stick the like overly used? I I said on the podcast, it's like Pachelbel in D at weddings. <laughs> like, oh, of course, it's sad. Let's play Adagio for strings. Like Bear McCreary could have written an equally as beautiful and sad piece uh, for that scoring. So right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but there's just. I don't know. Question. See, this is questionable, questionable choices here. I don't know. All right, we're going to take a quick break to talk about this episode's fantastic advertiser. Well, as we said, this episode was brought to you by Care of. Listen, it's the new year. We got new health goals. We got a new you. I know it's February, and the Patriots won the Super Bowl, and you want to feel good about yourself. So what you know what you got to do? You got to go and make health and wellness a top priority with Care Of's monthly subscription vitamin service. And whether you're focused on your glowing skin like Tom Brady does, boosting your energy levels like Tom Brady does, getting more sleep like Tom Brady does, or being just generally healthy like Tom Brady is. A plague. (laughs) (laughs) You want to go to Care Of, and they're going to help you. And it's easy and it's great because they got this great online quiz that lets you know exactly what you need. You can pick whatever you want to choose you can you, you can work on. It asks you about your diet, your health goals, lifestyle choices, 
And really, it only takes about five minutes to find out your personal, scientifically-based and backed vitamin and supplement recommendations. It's great. So getting your vitamins should be easy and convenient. It gets sent, the subscription box gets sent right to your door every single month with personalized daily packs. Great for busy on the go lifestyle. I know I'm a dad. I got no time for any of this stuff. All I want to do is just get my vitamins and get it fixed. So experience the care of difference. A portion of every sale goes to the Good Plus Foundation, which provides expectant mothers in need with valuable prenatal vitamins, which Mary, I know you're very happy about. So take advantage of this <laughs> month's pregnant, special guys. New Year offer <laughs> for 50% of your mo- first month off personal care of vitamins. Go to takecareof.com and enter Outlandacast fifty five zero. Everyone's right gonna think now I'm pregnant. I'm not. No, but you you support pregnant ladies. You love you you love the I whole... support people. Yes. You support humans. Of, yes. <laughs> Might as well say it supports the, the human fund. Oh my goodness gracious. Are <laughs> right, you ready to get back to Get uh, me in trouble? You ready to get back to the uh, yes. the interview? Let's do it. Yes. Have you seen a big difference now that Ron Moore isn't the full time showrunner? I think that I do, and I will tell you why. <laughs> Mainly, I thought the season was kind of messy, especially the first few episodes. But also, I watched after each episode on Stars. They have the like the executive producers. You got to hear all about Carrot, Carrot the dog. (laughs) Such great insight. (laughs) Or about the steak dinner. Oh yeah, Yeah, I I watched those and like this. And this could just be me. I don't know if you felt this way, but it didn't often seem like they were on the same page together. I would agree, a hundred percent. By the way. 100%. 100%. They, the chemistry was awkward, and usually there was one of them talking, the other two were kind of like, eh. And so it's just like, I just kind of thought, I feel like this could be a too many chefs situation. Mm. Um, and I kind of got a weird feeling. And also the fact that after the finale, they were saying how um, they were considering the ending being Brianna walking out on the porch and just seeing Jamie and Claire and saying, where's Roger? And then cutting to black. Yes. I was like, that is that is not an ending <laughs> to a season. No. <laughs> like, first of all, <laughs> like, I care, but I don't care that. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, yes, that's not yes. me. That's not what my, my hopes and dreams of the season are, like, hinged upon. But the yeah. fact that they brought it back to Jamie and Claire at the end mm-hmm. and, you know, again, and, and which made so much more sense coming full circle. It's like Jamie made this promise at the very beginning and now that's coming due and now it's causing um, friction with the bird talk situation. Like what are they going to do about him? And is he really going to have to go against the, the Scots? Like what's the consequence of that having to be? It, it's just like that to me, that is Outlander. That's what I'm really interested in. Um, and I kind of loved it too. We're like, <laughs> Brianna and Roger embrace, and then these horses just ride, just blow yep. past them. They're like, yep. Because that. <laughs> that's how many and horses the, you need to deliver a piece of mail. <laughs> right. They're like, like, by the way, we're done with that. But that, that, that concerned me that that was even kind of on the table enough for them to say, we almost did this because it was so wrong. <laughs> and so, like, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. And it made me... That and the fact that, like, so much of the season, like I said, especially the back half, felt like Jamie and Claire had been Mm sidelined. It made me question if they kind of know what viewers, and not just book readers, but, I mean, all viewers of the show are invested in and interested in. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I I, again, like, I I cared about what happened to Brianna and Roger, but they really made it hard for me to care about Roger. (laughs) I I think I would agree with you on that one. (laughs) 
Man. So is it is it because you think that you know they don't have the guiding hand of Ron? It's just like this. They don't have a guy, a guy or gal to just say, "Nah, this is what we're doing." And they're leaving it up to I think two talented writers and Matt Roberts and Tony Graffia. Right. Um, but they just, I just, what is your opinion on both of them uh, as uh, as like de facto showrunners? I think that it, TV shows benefit from having a strong vision. And some of this doesn't have, it's very true of a showrunner. This doesn't have to be true of the writers and directors, but sometimes a show really comes together well when you have, say, one person writing a whole season and one person directing a whole season. It doesn't have to be true because, you know, you can look at shows like, again, Game of Thrones, who bring in um, a variety of different directors. They all have different sort of um, flavor to it, but it still feels like Game of Thrones and it feels like something you're familiar with. But I do think that that at the bottom line, especially a show as complicated as this, I mean, there's so much going on and there's so much to be adapted that I do think that having one singular vision, and that's not to say that the other Outlander seasons were, you know, perfect. I mean, there were plenty of things that were kind of like, eh, is this working or not? But, but this season definitely felt like it just, it was messy. That's just like <laughs> the word I keep going back to is messy. And I feel like maybe, and this is no insider knowledge, this is just pure speculation, but maybe, there were some different visions of how the season should go in the writer's room and neither of them really won out. <laughs> they kind of just made Split this yeah. muddle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, well, I think you're right there, Allison, because, you know, in those, in those like after show things, I just felt like they never, well, I can't say never, but more often than not, it seemed like they wouldn't agree in the writer's room, especially in the back half of the season. They felt yeah. like they could never come to a decision. Which is funny that they would share those moments in in that little, you know, inside <laughs> Outlander um, right. compared to what we even had with Ron, where he would have, you know, talks with John Gary Steele about about the set design or with Terry just back on talking about the costuming. Like, I felt like we got we right. really got to go inside Outlander. But then, yeah, not only to have these three come on, but then they kind of were able to vent some of their differences <laughs> in front of us. <laughs> it was awkward. Yeah, there was a lot of writer's room talk there about like things that they did or didn't do or like argued about, which is interesting to a certain degree. But then, like you said, when it's every episode, yes. it's kind of like, mm, okay, <laughs> that's uh, sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah. switching gears, of course, you just were able to talk about Stephen Bonnet. And I wanted to know, do you think Outlander has found a suitable replacement for our villain, Jack of Randall, Black Jack Randall. Do you feel like Stephen Bonnet lives up to Black Jack Randall as a good villain for this show? Ooh, I, you know what? I think that, yes, I mean, no one can ever be Tobias Menzies because he's just so outstanding. But I, this, I mean, we were done with Black Jack. By the time he was gone, we were done with yes. him. That was, that was enough. Um, but man, Stephen Bonnet, and what I liked is that he somehow managed to terrorize every one of our leads, which is horrible, but also just like it really made it feel like, like you said, like this is the new blackjack that's just sort of haunting them at every turn. And, uh, um, oh man, I'm so upset. What is the, the actor's name who plays him? Because I thought I had this in front of me and I don't. It's, it's Billiers. Okay. He, I mean, what was so great about that is that he was so like the, there was like a swagger and a confidence, but also this sort of weird, like evil seduction. He just nailed it. I mean, it was so, he was so good at being just really horrible, but in a like bizarrely charming way. Not that I find it charming. I'm saying <laughs> that it just, he did it in a way that, um, 
you can tell that he gets what he wants, you know, and that's the horrific, uh, you know, what came out of that is what happened to Brianna is like, he, he gets what he wants. And that was just so horrific. And again, like, that's what I loved so much about that confrontation or well, confrontation and, and, um, um, just wonderful conversation she has with Jamie. And I don't know if it happens like this in the books, but where he basically shows her that she could not have overpowered him and probably would have yes. died if she tried. That was so powerful. That whole conversation, like I immediately like, told my boyfriend about it. I was like, you, guess what happened on Outlander? Like, it, and I was trying to explain it. I was like, you just have to understand. Like, and then he says this and it was just like, they both played that so well. And it was such, I mean, I've never seen a show deal with that kind of trauma in that way before. Mm -hmm. Like that was just really something outstanding. Um, so yes, and the fact that in the dawning realization, as everyone realizes that Stephen Bonnet is the one who's responsible for everyone's misery. Yes. Um, yeah, I think he's a good villain. And I think they they also played it really well at the end where, I mean, I'm pretty sure he escapes, but we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. I didn't, but I always say with TV shows, until I see a corpse, I don't believe anyone is dead. And, so. and, even, and even then, it's it's still debatable. <laughs> Even then. <laughs> but you're right, though. I mean, I think until you until you feel a pulse, until you see blood coming out of his eyes, um, you, you can assume that Stephen Bonnet is alive. And that kind of dovetails into my next question for you, which is, does Outlander benefit a lot from having this kind of, I, I'm not saying, I, I don't want to say singular, but I, that's the only word I have for it. This kind of singular villain where it's like, this is the guy that makes our main characters do things they otherwise wouldn't do. Um, I, to a certain extent, but I think with any show that has sort of a big bad as a villain, it can, it, the whole show should not revolve around them. And that was one of the things I liked about the Stephen Bonnet, um, narrative in the season is that it was kind of a sneaky one where he just kind of kept showing up. And in the end, they put it together that he was responsible for all of this misery. But if everything is revolving around that person, like I felt sort of that way with about blackjack at the end, like everything was just focused on him. <laughs> it just became like about him. That to me isn't as interesting, but you know, anytime that they have a really strong character that is working as an antagonist to our lovely leads, then yeah, that that's, that becomes really compelling. But I think that outlander, I mean, with all the stuff that Jamie and Claire get up to, they have a lot of opportunities for people who are against them. <laughs> and so I think that this show does play with some of that. Again, it's another thing, not enough time, but the woman from the Mohawk tribe who comes to get the pendant from Claire, mm -hmm. um, this, this edit where she's basically like, we're going to kill you and take this. And the next minute they're all sitting around the campfire, like telling old stories. <laughs> I'm like, again, I would have loved to see a little bit more of, of, uh, Jamie and Claire winning her over to their side, because I think that that's something that they do. That's very, um, just very much them. Like they win people over to their side or they, you know, work to destroy them. <laughs> and they're successful in both. So how would you grade the finale on a scale of one to five kilts? Oh, you know, honestly, the Murtaugh Jocasta thing is giving, is going to help it a lot <laughs> because otherwise that finale again was really messy, but I, I felt really, it, but still Outlander. I mean, it's like when I saw Ian make it through the gauntlet, I was genuinely pleased for him. Like <laughs> I was so happy. And I think that the show is really good at, in those moments of kind of building that up and um, letting us sort of be joyous with um, these characters and everything was in the end. Roger comes back and all this. Uh, 
the finale. I'm I'm sort of between three and four mm-hmm. right now. Three and a half kills. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, it it was a it was a mixed bag. I think it was kind of really a, a good example of kind of the what the whole season did well and what it did poorly. Mm-hmm. That finale kind of had it all. Um, but now um, I'll, I'll give it four kills I'll give it, <laughs> because. Because it had some really, really great moments that, that made me smile. Yeah. Um, and that's why I watch Outlander. You know, it's just it's a nice, just a, <laughs> it's just a nice heartwarming time. Sometimes <laughs> punctuated with horrible violence. Yes, yes, you know. Terror, but you know. <laughs> well, well sp- speaking of terror, one of the things that I think a lot of people, a, a lot of fans of Outlander, the people who really love it, one of the things they're concerned about, mm-hmm. it seems like more trolls than ever came out of their parents' basements, you know, to to hate on the show, like on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And I think one of the concerns they have is, does this have any bearing whatsoever on the showrunners and or how the show is written or produced? Like, do they go and say, yeah, screw these people, I'm not making season seven. <laughs> like, is is does this have any bearing on them, do you think? I think that there there are two two ways that people go about it sometimes. And one is like Damon Lindelof on Lost, and he's just like, "Screw you guys, I'm doing what I want." And then he goes off social media for years. Yep. Or <laughs> it's what they do sometimes on shows like The Flash and Arrow, where they really pay a lot of attention to what the fans want, sometimes to the detriment of the show. You know, giving more time to characters that fans may be really invested in, but sometimes sometimes viewers don't know really what's best for us. And I think that it's best to just cut out the noise and make the show that they want to make. But at the same time, I mean, I do think that you have to be open to criticism and see if it's valid or not. If everybody is saying the same thing, you know, there are a couple things in there that are just resonating everywhere. Then maybe that's something to look at. I mean, nothing (laughs) happens in a vacuum, but at the same time, I understand like they're in an incredibly difficult position adapting a beloved set of books that people are very invested in, very emotionally invested in, and you're not going to please everyone. And I totally, you know, totally understand that. But at the same time, like we said, these, some of the issues I think are more, some of the structural choices, some of the narrative choices, things they choose to include or not include, they're never going to get it a hundred percent, but you know, this season, Again, I, I don't know if there's any one thing that I could really pinpoint was an issue, except for what we talked about with there may be too many different visions happening mm-hmm. <laughs> with what the show is supposed to be at this point. So, Well, I think one of the things that concerned people is like Matt Roberts took himself off Twitter and made his Instagram profile uh, you know, private. And you know, right. a, lot, a lot of people loved looking at his stuff because it was beautiful and he, and he did provide some good insight into the show. Is that something that people should be worried about? No, I, I think that the the problem with that is that he's probably just getting so much negativity from people. It, you know, it, people love to go on and complain about things, but so rarely <laughs> do they seek out <laughs> specific people to say, this was great. I really enjoyed that. You know, like that's very rare. So if that's something, honestly, for him, just self-care wise, if that's helpful to him to just like block out a lot of that stuff, I think that's totally fine. Like he doesn't owe anybody anything as far as it comes to social media. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, that's just people need to stop behaving so badly and maybe run people <laughs> off social media. Um, you know, it's, I think that that can be, again, a really difficult, really difficult thing. It's a passionate fan base, mm-hmm. but I think fans just need to remember that 
it takes so many people to make a TV show and so many voices and so many different hands and so many people who are, are just like, this is their livelihood. And, um, you know, we may have some quibbles about this or that, but they are really producing something amazing. And, um, you know, so just, just keep that in mind, everybody. Right. <laughs> like, right. Is a, this is a big thing. It's a big production and people are, are doing really great work. And, um, you know, it, again, it's not perfect and we may have issues with it, but it's, you know, don't personally attack people. That's, that's not okay ever. Now, one of the people who was a big reason that Outlander even came to begin with was Chris Albrecht, who is now stepping down from being CEO of Stars, um, And so he, of course, was the exec that really fought for Outlander. So yeah. what does this do for Outlander um, kind of going forward, Outlander beyond season six and even Stars in general? I think that I think that stars, I mean, without question is still heavily invested in Outlander. You know, like I said before, it, it, if it's not their number one show and I, it must be like, I cannot imagine what else. And I love counterpart, like, don't get me wrong, but I Outlander is such an important property for them. And you can tell again with series that they continue to commission like white princess and Spanish princess. And, um, some of the other shows that are, are kind of hoping to build off the Outlander audience. I think that there's still a lot of investment there. I don't think anybody should be worried about that. I think that um, Lionsgate owning stars is maybe more of the interesting thing to watch because that's where the funding is probably mostly coming from. And they have been making some corporate changes and stuff recently too. So I think that, um, you know, Outlander is still a crown jewel for stars. I don't think that's going to change but I'm, I do kind of wonder if like the episode count um, and that sort of thing are because they're trying to keep costs down to some extent. But I, I mean, Outlander fans should not worry about the <laughs> of the show. I think it's I think it's going to be fun. So one of my favorite segments that we've we've come to do with you uh, over the years is the 10 quick questions with Allison. Oh, boy. And, and I, it's I never did, quick with me. It's I know. Like, you know what? It's OK. <laughs> we'll go as fast as you need. Um, okay. so, but I, I just, I love this. It's, it's just great. So let's just, uh, let's start it off real quick. Uh, question number one, best episode of the season for season four. What do you got? Best episode of the season. Um, <clears throat> let me see. Okay. See, sometimes, sometimes I prepare for this ahead of time, but I, I forgot that this happened. <laughs> so I'm prepared. <laughs> let me see. Um, oh my gosh. You know, probably that episode where, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to say, birds and the bees the the one that the one where um brianna and jamie have that conversation about her sexual assault that to me like that just that part of that episode made it so powerful is that deep heart's core or is that oh geez you know that's a good question <laughs> that is a good question i think birds and bees is it birds and bees? That's what I would think. Yeah, because no, she actually has the conversation with Claire and birds and the bees, and D- everybody listening to this is like, "Oh my god, it's yeah. Deep Heart's core!" They're going, and, and they're going bee hunting. So yeah, and yeah, okay, that's, yeah, that's the birds and the bees. One. Okay, fair enough. There you go. Okay, it was just like that to me. Just that episode kind of went above and beyond. But there, there were other. I mean, there, there's so many little parts of each episode that I like, but that one maybe stood out as as being a really important one. Oh, you know, now that I have you here, I wanted to ask you about this. I forgot to ask you the inclusion of Frank in season four as a TV show only watcher. Did you appreciate the inclusion of Frank in, in uh, down the rabbit hole uh, with, with her, with uh, him and Brianna and the conversations and the flashbacks? 
I always appreciate Frank. <laughs> I thought it was really good because it helped deepen Brianna's character um, and gave a different perspective on Frank that we had not seen before, which was just his relationship with her. Um, him finding out about Claire and knowing about that, that felt a little more uncertain. I don't know if that was clear in the books or not, if that happened, but um I felt like that was just kind of setting up like her going back, but, but just their relationship and kind of establishing the bond that they had that to me made it even more powerful when she kind of started to let Jamie in because she was always going to love Frank and be, and he's really her father, but she's also willing to kind of open herself up to Jamie as well. So yes, I'm always a Frank fan. I'm, I'm I like <laughs> see, You see listener, this is why Allison and I get along very well. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh you're gonna have to send allison a picture of your your shirt that you wear for the finale oh yeah i have i had a shirt we, we had a finale party here in, in newport rhode island um a bunch of people flew in from we all over the podcast place. live about it yeah right and, and blake wore I, I had a shirt with the fedora and the glasses that said we soldier on right below and oh my god it was amazing. the best shirt ever oh yeah that's amazing <laughs> love it uh question number two uh, worst episode. Let's. Uh, what, what? What's the episode that you feel like? Okay, what are we doing here? Oh my god! Probably the one. Probably the one that focused on Claire trying to save the slaves. I do just, no harm. Yep, do no, do harm. no harm. Do no harm. I just, you know, like <laughs> just the show is just not consistent with this. I think we talked about this last season too when um, they were on the island and she's like, she's going to free a slave but then she has like other slaves drive her to free the slave it was just very much like ah, okay like i don't fault claire for you know <laughs> what she's trying to do but i think that the show kind of struggles with how to portray that and like i said also the fact that um later in the season when brianna shows up and lives there for quite some time doesn't seem to be an issue for her at all <laughs> so it's like oh, okay yeah I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, what, probably do no harm. Yeah, which uh, which moment from season four is is the best moment? The one that you're going to be like, ah, oh, that happened in season four, and I loved that. Yeah, it's gonna that's the one that stands out to you most. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh! Besides Murtaugh and Joe Costa, yeah. that may even be number one. <laughs> that might I, just, <laughs> I just loved it so much. Um, let's see. I think again, like it, it, there was just like this little montage in in one of the later episodes where where Jamie and Claire. I think Brianna was there too. I think there were two. There was one where they first got to Fraser's Ridge and then one later on and Brianna was there. And they were just just the the life on that farm and just kind of and you know, experiencing it and being together and, and having these kind of warm, happy times. Like that to me just encapsulates yes. what Outlander is. So that 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 might be it. I joke all the time that that's what I want to do is I want to go to the ridge and just feed their their mule, their donkey it clearance. Really that's wonderful. all I want to do. Like, <laughs> It's probably horrible, and I love that conversation that Claire and Brianna have because it's, it's like I kind of like was waiting for them to have it, but didn't realize it. Yeah. Where they're like, "Oh my god, bathrooms and like running water." <laughs> like, Led yes. Zeppelin. <laughs> yes, yes. I was like, "Okay, thank you, finally." But yeah, because I was like, yeah, "It's it's probably horrible, but it looks cozy and nice, and you know, it probably smells terrible, but you know, it's fine. It's it's whatever, you know." <laughs> Fine. Um, Claire's picked herbs and probably has them all over the place. It's fine. Like, <laughs> What's the the most eye roll inducing moment for you of season four? Honestly, it might be the America the Beautiful music cue. I just something about that first episode 
also the CG on the boat ride was yeah. really wonky. Like this is your first step. This is your premiere. Like you have got to get that stuff straight. That in the first view of Razor's Ridge. And I had, because I had the, the episodes ahead of time to review, I, I didn't mention it in the review because I thought it was something they would correct. Mm. Right. Cause sometimes the, the, <laughs> sometimes the musical cues or um, the visuals or the CG or the audio those can all be kind of temporary or there might be ADR that they have like a subtitle on the screen or something, you know I mean? Like, you know, that as you're reviewing it, it's like, you're not going to dock that. Obviously it's not a finished product. I didn't realize that was the finished product. <laughs> it came on again. I was like, Oh, okay. So that's, that's what you're doing. But something about that was just like, it's, it's like, we get it. We're in America. It's like bald Eagle, America, the beautiful. And also just that it, it, it just felt, and they hadn't really earned that yet. Like they hadn't earned that like America is not all that it's cracked up to be. I know that that was sort of setting a foreshadowing, but it didn't really do what I think it was meant to do. So that was my like, oh boy. What do you think the best, the best asset that the show has going for it? I mean, the cast. Right. Yeah. They like, you could put them in any, on any continent in any time period and it would be really compelling. Um, and again, like I, I, I'm super invested always in the original cast, but, um, Brianna grew on me this season. I had uh, beginning of the season. I was kind of like, oh. and they really, I don't know that they've been very fair to her character. Again, I don't know how this is written in the books, but she was kind of all over the place. Um, this season, I, I don't, they didn't write her very evenly. Like she just was kind of, I know she's supposed to be young and kind of whatever, but it was, it just felt very like the fight with Roger right afterwards. And then he leaves and I'm just like, I mean, they're young and tempestuous. Like I get it, but it just felt very petulant instead and just kind of bratty. And then that, I felt even worse about that after what happens next. Stephen yeah, Bonnet, and I was like, Oh my God. But then it's like, you know, sometimes when she was allowed to be, um, sort of like witty and cunning or, you know, the, the sort of the stuff she comes up with, with Lord John and that whole thing. And that kind of grounded her a little more, but the two of them together, you know, some of that was, I, I and I don't, again, it's like, I'm not sure if it's the writing or the acting or maybe some combination of it, but uh, yeah, otherwise it's, it's, I would watch these people do anything like they're. <laughs> well, uh, so what is, what is the most improved performance for you then uh, this season? Uh, it could be from uh, one character, someone that is a main character like Jamie, or it could be someone as, you know, almost as insignificant as Ian. Uh, what is the Not most insignificant? <laughs> no, don't yeah. say that. <laughs> you, you could totally write out Ian's character and nothing Stop. changes. Stop. Not one thing changes in my in my my humble opinion. But this show is not about me. This is about Allison's opinion. So, what is your he, most improved performance? Yeah, Ian. He the thing about Ian is again, like I would have wanted more time with him. I felt like he was kind of done a disservice too. Like he kind of just popped up to to mess with the plot and then disappeared again. I didn't get a real sense of him. But um, most improved performance, I mean, it's probably Sophie Skelton. I I feel like I really was in the camp of like this was a we made a terrible error here. <laughs> like there's something about this just doesn't quite gel. Um, it just didn't quite feel right. It felt very stagey uh, last season. This season kind of started that way, but again, I don't blame her so much as I think the writing sometimes was just, again, did not have a very firm sense of her character or who she was supposed to be. And in the moments when it really counted, I think that she came through, but um, 
so yeah, I, I would, I would say Sophie, but, um, throughout the season, I mean, poor young Ian. I mean, I, <laughs> like he's such, he's such an easy character to like, but they just don't. And I, you know, they didn't do enough with Fergus either. I felt like there was, um, mm. a lot more there that time spent that, you know, would have been enlightening but yeah. alas alas well apparently the writer's room is once again being shaken up for season five and how do you feel about this well i don't know anything about the next book i i i have <laughs> not looked ahead for spoilers um i think that that could be a good thing though on the other hand it's like have the lessons been learned <laughs> from this season mm-hmm. or are we going to get another season where they're kind of trying to find their footing um, I think that honestly, the shows, everything about Outlander is really solid and very consistent in terms of the production and the costuming and, you know, uh, the, the characters and the actors and everything, except the writing. It is really weirdly that show is really great and just kind of terrible sometimes with the writing. It's not consistent at all. And that I have felt was, has been true since season one. Um, they've taken some really weird sometimes where it just doesn't feel like it it doesn't feel like that is on the same par as the rest of the show and of course that's kind of the most important thing is having that consistent um story and tone and writing and everything so i'm hoping that that maybe that helps um Again, I don't know where this story goes, so I'm not sure. All I knew last year going into this season was that they're in America now, and they're staying. I made sure to ask that. Like, did they go back? No. I did enjoy the few scenes we got back in Scotland, though, um, before Brian and Roger came over. But I, that, so, I, so I'm not sure, but I think that um, I'm, I'm going to look at that positively and say that that could be a good thing. So lastly, where would you rank this season of Outlander or where would you rank Outlander in general among your favorite shows currently? This season probably, I I think last season was the highest it had made it on my end of the year (laughs) list. Mm -hmm. I don't know that this season will be quite so high. Um, But again, like I'm always biased towards shows that I just enjoy and I enjoy Outlander and that always gives it kind of extra points. Um, this season, I, you know, honestly, season three might be my favorite season of Outlander, which is hard to say. I haven't rewatched season one in a while. Um, but this one may be on par with some of the not as not as great moments. <laughs> Outlander. <laughs> but again, like I liked season two. A lot of people didn't like season two. So um, uh, it, it's it's not the, uh, maybe it's at the bottom. I don't even know. I feel I feel just terrible because I watch so much TV. I kind of forget season to season what my initial feelings were about these shows. But, um, I, I think season three is my favorite. So I, I can be, I think I could be steady on that. Um, and then probably season one. So two and four are kind of competing for that last slot. I'm not sure. All right. Well, that just about does it, Mary, unless you have any yeah. other questions you'd like to ask. No, that's it. Allison, thank you so much for coming and chatting with us again. Oh my gosh, just, it's just me rambling about Outlander. Oh, I hope that I provided some kind of entertainment or yes. informational value. But I just, I thank y'all for having me. I really enjoy talking about the show. Um, Allison, where can, uh, where can everybody find you on social media and where could they, where can they read all your fantastic articles that you're writing every day? <laughs> I am on Twitter at Keen TV. That's K-E-E-N-E-T-V. And you can find all of my writing on Outlander and everything else on Collider.com. Allison Keen, everybody. 
There you go. So, you know, what I love about having Allison on is she really does give, uh, A, another non-book reader's opinion because, mm-hmm. Blake, you're you're one of the few podcasters that has not read the books for right. Outlander, Outlander Podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like getting another voice. But she also knows television. Like, that is literally what she does. She has to sit down and watch television and deep dive into it oh, and understand the inner workings of this. So it's just really fun to have her perspective and... And I'm really thankful when she is able to come on and do that. I just wish I had Allison's job. Just sit down, watch TV, <laughs> get screeners, you, you know, just watch Netflix, eat no like pop tarts for fun, you know. Just is that what you picture her doing? Yeah, just, eat, just eating all the pop tarts, okay. even, even the bad ones. You know what I'm talking about? Like the the chocolate ones that are just the no s'mores good. ones. Yeah, the, I like the no, s'mores I like the ones. s'mores ones. You know what I really like? I like the cinnamon ones. Oh, especially warm. Oh, like yes. some pop tarts I can eat cool, but especially the cinnamon ones, warm. I don't even know what's in it aside from cinnamon. You know, and now that I'm thinking about pop tarts, remember that remember that moment in Bird Box when she's talking to the boy and the girl, and she's like, "This is what strawberry tastes like," oh. and you're like, "No, <laughs> that is not what strawberry tastes Poor like. Thing. That Poor tastes thing. like pop tart strawberry." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's like saying it's like it's like eating a Jolly Rancher, being like, "This is what grape tastes like." This is what like. watermelon, like yeah. <laughs> candy watermelon, tastes nothing like real watermelon. What are you talking about? My goodness gracious! <laughs> well, as you can hear, that's our alarm, aka my daughter. It's time. Saying, "Come on, parents, let's go." So, um, we're gonna wrap things up. Let's do it. Thank you all so much for tuning in for this, our like first real Droughtlander podcast episode of Outlander Cast. Once again, we invite you to make sure that you're inside our Outlander Cast clan gathering group that's on Facebook. When you request to enter, just let them know, uh, them, meaning myself and my moderator friends, that you <laughs> listened to the podcast and that's how you're able to know about the group. Please follow us on all social media. We'll be letting you know about blog posts, um, different events that we might have. We're hoping to have some meetups throughout Droughtlander, so that should be a lot of fun. And what you could do for us too, also, is tell a friend that we exist. Tell a friend that we exist, this out, this podcast exists. If you felt like this provided some good value to you, be like, hey, you know, I listened to this episode with uh, Allison Keene, who's this really great uh, television critic, and it really, really hit hit the nail on the head when it came to Outlander. Check it out. Listen to it. You know, do that. Do that, because that's the best way you can spread the word, but not only about this podcast, but, but about Outlander, the show, as well. And another thing that you can actually do, too, is... Give us a review on iTunes. We we get tons of reviews. We actually just hit six hundred and two yes, reviews. Six hundred. Our goal was five seventy five at the end of this episode, and we got six hundred and two. So I'm really excited about it. We and want to thank Linda Donati, who said Mary and Blake are the best. This is the very best of podcasting. Mary and Blake are two professionals. Oh, listen to us, professionals! While we have our three year old coming on and saying a little hello, they know how to break down the episodes for discussion and keep it flowing and interesting. Plus, they are hilarious. This married couple, one book reader and one show watcher, are down to earth, are enthusiastic and happy to nerd out about Outlander. I really feel like I'm in their kitchen and we're just shooting the sh about <laughs> the favorite show. They make me feel like a real life friend and for that I am grateful thanks you guys rock well thank you so much and thank you to everyone who is able to take the time to write um, a review in your podcast app of choice it really does help other people who may be especially late coming into Outlander Mm -hmm. 
you know, maybe they watched it. Maybe Stars did that marathon and they've caught up on it and they want to do a little dive and they want to catch up and find a podcast. Doing things like this, leaving your reviews in your podcast apps really lets people know about it. We also want to thank our patron community. So that's OutlanderCastClan.com. You guys are honestly keeping the show going, especially during Droughtlander. And because of that, we are going to be giving our Klansmen members and up a special Hamilton podcast that Blake and I are going to be working on very, very shortly, as mm-hmm. well as extra wonderful things. We want to thank our most generous patrons, our associate producers, Angie, Carolyn, Celine, Cheryl, Dawn, Diane, Heather, Jeffrey, Jennifer, Larissa, Lauren, Linda, Marilyn, Mary, Michelle, Patricia, Siobhan, Summer, and Valerie, as well as our co-producers... Barbara, Carolyn, Christina, Dana, Dieta, Janet, Jenny, Kathy, Keelan, Lisa, Liz, Marianne, Meredith, Raynal, Rita, Sharon, Sue, Tara, and Tina, and last but certainly not least, our executive producers, Anne, Bobby, Jen, Katie, Kirsty, Martha, Nadra, Brandu, Peg, Sarah. Thank you all so much. A special thanks to all of the members of the Outlander cast staff. They've had an incredible season four. Oh all of these blog posts. Honestly, guys, if you have not been going to Outlander Cast.com and checking out these blog posts, you're going to want to make sure you do that because as I said, we're going to keep things busy and keep content running all Droughtlander long. We'll see what happens. I mean, we're going to get at least at least one post on OutlanderCast.com a week. I'm, I'm very excited about it. And this, there's no other Outlander website doing that. None. You're getting it right here. This is it. This is where you want to be. <laughs> OutlanderCast. Uh, Outland- I keep messing up the you website. Okay. Outlandacast.com. That's where you, you want to go. And we don't mess around. We take care of you. All right, my friends. Well, until next time, my name's Mary. My name's Blake. And you've been listening to Outlandercast. <laughs>